What's going on? Welcome to the All-American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All-American Chelsea, what's going on? It's your boy Christian coming back again to you live from beautiful Miami, Florida in the good old U.S. of A. What's going on, boys and girls? I just heard about this song, what, this week, like two or three days ago. It's called Carnage has Maiden Tayo and uh, Mac Miller. Um, it's dope. It's super dope. I like the beat a lot. It goes hard. Yeah. A. 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 It's the end of 2018. Where the hell did this year go? I I remember. Fuck. 300 and something days ago it was. It's the end of 2017. Every year it's always the same shit. Where did the year go? Time flew. But this time last year, fuck. This time last year, I was employed at a different company, dreaming about starting a podcast. Like, I've always had this seed in my head about the podcast. I had tried it before, it didn't work out. I couldn't figure things out, but I always had it in my mind. And then, fast forward, I started my new job. In January, got the sack in May, but fortunate for me, a man by the name of Nini FC had a subscriber call-in show, and I'm going to be getting Nini on the podcast soon, and that's one of the things I'm going to bring up to him. Yo, we need those subscriber call-in shows to come back, some classic moments, some friends, I mean, shit, I'm talking to you because of the subscriber calling show. But uh, Nini had me on the subscriber calling show. And that was the, the, the initial legit spark on starting the podcast and completely changed my 2018 for the better. Um, even when I had so much negative shit. Bro, let me tell you something. There's no feeling worse than getting the boot from a job and you have to go home to your family to look them in the face to to tell people what's going on like like what just happened to see the look on friends and family's faces like bro aren't you too old for this shit and you know that that's what i was going through that's what i was feeling i felt like shit but 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 in my mind, it was almost like a, a, a relief because I wanted to do the podcast. I wanted to do podcasts, but the excuse of work. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, it, this. Oh, that. 
And when I got the sack, when I got the boot, on the outside and, and on the internally too, like don't get it twisted. Like it, it, it was a, it was a, a punch to the gut. Like I punched, I got punched in the face, um, by the company and you know, it, it, it hurt my pride, but on another hand, like deep down inside, it was a relief. It was like, finally I can do and start my podcast excuse of work is over so it it, it 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 came out to be like um a blessing in the in, in disguise and don't get me don't let me wrong like shit like I, i'm working more now with the podcast with being active on twitter and i, I took some time off uh being so active on social media for the holidays for you know christmas and new year's leading up to christmas and new year's the last two weeks because my wife was like ah, i want you to be a little bit more present but i've been i, I took a lot of uh, like i'm working more now with the podcast and with work waking up early and, and it, it really this podcast gave me a sense of purpose a sense of direction that you know I, i'm grateful for I'm super grateful for and without getting who knows if I didn't get fired from my job who knows um where this podcast would be or how far along would I would I be you know 2018 we had the world cup fuck we had sorry come in with Chelsea some amazing fights in the UFC and I'll get to the UFC because god damn it last night was was beautiful standing ovation um in the co-main event and just all out awe of the greatness of john jones so 2018 man like a, a lot of changes a lot of uh things happened but man quite honestly i i, I have a feeling that this was this could be one of the greatest years of my life and it nothing is not like I won a million dollars and it's it has everything to do with this podcast um and the opportunities that I believe the podcast is going to open up so I'm going to tell you right now like I've already started um I already have for today I got to take care of some family things but I'm going to be sitting down with a notebook with a calendar and really planning out my year like I'm not I'm, I'm somebody that I, I do enjoy flying from the seat of my pants it's it's fun to me like um it's part of my personality it's part of my impulsiveness it's part of me but I really believe to take this podcast to the next level to get it to where I want it to be I need to sit down and be more professional get a notebook um write down my goals, write down where I want to be, what I got to do to get this podcast to the next level and not, it, it, it not fly by the seat of my ass so much with the podcast because um, I'm giving you the show that I want to give you, but it's not the best I can give you. I could definitely take the show to the next level and, and, I look forward to taking the show to the next level. So 
that's what we got for 2019. And I encourage you guys to do the same, man. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot of books, self-help, motivational books, and I believe that I believe that all of us can be better, you know? Just look at just look at uh you know sports i you, I, I take a lot of examples for life through from sports you, if the best in the world at their profession look to get better who the fuck am i who the fuck are we not to look at our own lives and get better you know what i'm saying so 2019 man i i'm i look forward i look forward man it's going to be a big year it's going to be a big year we're going to look back at you know December 30th 2018 is going to be December 30th 2019 we're going to be like yo you were right man i'm going to be like you were right look at all this great shit that was accomplished in 2019 and i'm fired up bro like i can't wait that ball's going to drop tomorrow night on the 31st and it's going to be January 1st, 2019, and I already feel it. I, I can't wait to see number one on the calendar. I can't wait. I'm excited. So, speaking of the UFC, fuck. All right, so, and this leads into, into the Chelsea match because this is going to be the post-match uh, review for Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. And I'll even give you a little bit of... Uh, who did we play? Wolves, I think it was. Wolves? Wolves. Did we play Wolves? Wolves. So, we played Wolves on Wednesday. Wednesday, December 26th. Today's the 30th. So, four days ago, we played Wolves. And I had said in my post-match review from the podcast before that I was going to meet up with Josh Banks, the homie, my little brother, Josh Banks, uh, Met him on Nini's subscriber calling show. I'm putting pressure on Nini to get in to do the subscriber calling show. Maybe not every week like he used to, but you know, for old time's sake, maybe once a month, once every other month, something like that. So, Josh, we met up, we watched the Wolves game, and and you know, in person, it was awesome meeting up with him. And I encourage you guys, if you guys are in Miami, hit me up, hit me up wherever you're at, I'll be there. We'll watch a game, you know, we'll kick back some brews, whatever. Hit me up. I got you. You're, we're family. So me and Josh, we met, we met up, we watched the game. Chelsea got three points. And um, so last night, I had to take care of a bunch of shit. I'm still doing some remodeling in my house. I had to take care of a bunch of shit. But last night we had a UFC fucking awesome Oh my God, where do I begin? Amanda Nunes, she is the greatest female fighter in the history of female combat sports. Nobody's better. Nobody's fucking better. She was fought against somebody that we thought was the greatest, Cyborg. Cyborg has been knocking females down. Dead has been murdering competition after competition. Videos of her sparring against world class championship female boxers, and she's there throwing bows, throwing you know, throwing bombs on these female boxers. And so, if you look at all the data, it was like, God damn, how did Amanda Nunes get this done? But fuck. 
First 45 seconds, Amanda Nunes gets in there and starts throwing knuckles right at the face of Cyborg. Clips her four or five times and finally puts her down. Face, face plants Cyborg. And I had to stand up and it was a round of applause. Amanda Nunes becomes the first champ, champ, female champ, champ in the UFC to hold two belts. One at 135, one at 145. And who the fuck is going to fight Amanda Nunes now who's left of the females you have Valentina Stevchenko who looked the best against Amanda Nunes but Amanda Nunes beat her twice the second time it was a decision it was split you had Kat Singano fight last night she had an injury but Kat Singano um, has beaten Amanda Nunes but Valentina Stevchenko is the 125 champion so yeah, the 125 champion has looked the best against the 135 and the 140, the current 135 and 145 champion. And man, hats off to Amanda Nunes. I was so happy for her, so proud of her because it, it, going against Cyborg is like going to fight against a dragon. Like, and and Amanda Nunes went in there and she didn't, you know. Sometimes we have in fights where like somebody gets lucky, like it's uh you know something happens, a scramble, a choke, a, a flash knockout, something, something. But Amanda Nunes went in there and fucking threw hands from the beginning and took the fight to Cyborg. wasn't afraid and showed her heart in there, showed her emotions. She was crying after the fight. It was so 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 amazing to see, man. I love seeing human beings rise above and do the impossible. I love it. I love seeing that. And I love seeing that and that's why I love the man, MMA. I love UFC. Um because so many times we just see human beings put their heart, their lives, you know, on display for us and get and be the most vulnerable. Can you imagine your job is to potentially like you can potentially get knocked out, not in front of your friends. Like I, I, I've been in a couple of street fights, a couple of scraps, you know, playing sports or whatever, playing basketball. It's always, I've always got into a fight playing basketball. I don't know why. It always, it has always happened. Basketball always seems to be the sport for me. I've gotten into one tussle playing sport, playing soccer. Um, in American football, I've never, one time, one time I got into a scuffle and, and before I don't know for you guys don't know I trained MMA for years um but that was as an adult I started training at 24 and I trained all the way till 30 there was a time where I flirted with the idea of going um pro and you know and going to you know going to amateur route and taking a fight and stuff like that um but that was more me in my mind going, oh, psh, shit, I could easily get into the UFC. I can easily be 175, uh, 170 pound champ. I could take on GSP talking out of my ass, talking from the deepest, darkest corners of my ass. Um, but before, before I used to train, before I got into MMA, I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to fight at all. A lot of people get it confused. A lot of people who haven't been in fights think fighting because it you can everybody knows what it looks like. 
you get the idea in your head that you could throw bows with you could throw blows with anybody but it's just like what the, the the example i give people like imagine you've never played the game uh, the game of soccer the game of football the game of basketball any sport any sport uh any video game anything 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 imagine you've never done that and then you're going up against you're going to pick a fight or you're going to challenge somebody who does that on a consistent basis three times a week four times a week two hours a day you know they train for this they they practice whatever this endeavor you're doing and you've never done it and you're just going to think that you're you're you, you can compete it doesn't matter it's fighting or basketball or sport, whatever it's it's a sport it's a it's a skill so i didn't know how to fight i really didn't i was scared i was terrified of fighting of 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 being in conflict so anytime i was in a conflict my motto was hit first hit hard or run fast hit hurt hit first hit hard or run fast so any single time i would get into 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 any type of altercation any type of conflict or whatever when i felt like it you know when my fear level was was growing and i felt like this was an inevitability i would hit first hit as hard as i can his as fast as I can and don't stop. And, and when the other person, you know, would start, you know, counter, hit me, push anything, disengage, run away. Always, always. Cause I was afraid. I was afraid. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was afraid to get hit. I was afraid to get into a fight. I knew I needed to defend myself, but I didn't know. And that's why I think like martial arts, for one it changed my life it allowed me to be who i naturally am it got rid of that that fear bro like i was training four to five times a week with marcelo garcia at american first of all american top team under marcelo garcia marcelo when i when i when i started training it was with um it was just with a group of guys in a karate school with with um master powell was his name master powell was an army vet he had um trained in army combatives and competed in army combatives in the military they have like a like a it's called uh the army combat or the military com armed forces combatives it's like like amateur you know combat sports he competed in that he competed in a bunch of karate tournaments and you know he was familiar with grappling but he wasn't he didn't have like formal training, like on the level of, you know, anybody who has a brown belt, purple belt, black belt in jujitsu or judo or college wrestling, anything like that. So I started training with him. Then I was training with him for a year and we were training two times a week and sparring every single time me and the group of 10 other guys. And yeah, I got more confident. Um, but he started like kind of putting in the idea of our head that we can take amateur fights and we could have, I mean, it doesn't mean we we're going to be successful, but we could have taken amateur fights at that time. So, um, then I went to another school that was bullshit. We, 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 we I moved to another school that was bullshit. And at, by my, 
just so happened to be by my girlfriend's at the time my girlfriend who's now my wife she had a jujitsu school next to her house on her way to her house and i would see it every single time i would pass by i was like american top team like the fuck like what is this little like these must be posers like there's no american top team out here um this must be posers like I would park in the parking lot. I would look through the window and I'm like, I can kick that guy's ass. I can kick that guy's ass. I can kick that guy's ass. That school turned out to be Marcelo Garcia jujitsu. And if you guys know anything about Marcelo Garcia, he is considered one of the greatest jujitsu artists in the history of jujitsu. Like literally if Hicks and Gracie is Michael Jordan, Marcelo Garcia, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, like on that level, like top of the food chain, like peak of the mountain. Maybe there's two guys on his level on planet Earth at that time. And that's where I started training. And I started really getting a sense of what jujitsu is, what grappling is, what MMA is. And and it completely changed my life. I encourage you guys, if you can, man take up martial arts not necessarily for the self-defense aspect of it but for me it allowed me to be free it allowed me to be myself and not be afraid not be i'm a very outgoing person and allowed me to be more of that so <coughs> where was i back to the ufc fuck i went on a little bit of a rant there anyways so yeah john jones fighting last night and god damn the whole thing leading up to John Jones was that he had tested positive for a couple picograms. And the, the description of a picogram was like, take a grain of salt, divide it up in 50 million pieces. One of those pieces is one picogram. And he had tested positive for steroids again for like a few different tests, for like 20 picograms of a, a long-term metabolite for steroids. So they ended up moving the event so he had this cloud of he has this cloud of fucking like cheater over him something's always there's always a oh by the way with john jones and they had jeff Nowitzki go on joe rogan explain the whole thing the whole all the science of what these tests meant to john jones and, and essentially what they were saying is that he didn't test positive for any new ingestion it was just a previous ingestion that he had already been suspended for you know a year ago two years ago almost and it was known that this was this is to be expected based off of uh, other results from other athletes and other leagues and other testing or whatever and last night he took on alexander gustafson who previously gave john jones the most difficult test of his professional you know career where he took john jones to the decision i felt like gustafson may have even won the first fight and john jones just worked him worked him last night it was he didn't take any damage he did everything perfect everything perfect i thought we were gonna be i thought gustafson was gonna put it on john jones it just Gus has looked amazing. His boxing has looked amazing. And then I'm watching the fight. I'm like, God damn, like Jones is perfect. He's doing everything right. And 
he wins the light heavyweight championship belt that DC had relinquished the night before. So that was last night. The fight ended at 2.30 in the morning. Well, by the time I, the fight didn't end at 2.30 in the morning, my time. The fight ended like at 1, something like that. By the time I got into bed, my son into bed, blah, 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 blah. It was like 2.30 in the morning, I fell asleep. And I, nine times out of 10, I'll always wake up in the morning for early match. And this morning was no different for, you know, our match versus Crystal Palace. And it was like 6.30 in the morning. I wake up. The match was supposed to start at 7 in the morning for us. And I see the lineup. And I'm going to tell you right now, when I saw the, our lineup, um, and the, okay, so here we go. Here's the Chelsea um, versus Crystal Palace post-match review. Here are my thoughts. So when I saw the lineup, I, I was disappointed. Marcus Alonso starting again. Ross Barkley starting in the midfield. The thought of Zaha bombing on those two. The entire match, I was like, we're going to get murdered. We're going to get murdered. This is not the lineup that I wanted to see. William playing the right wing again. This is not the lineup. Giroud starting. Like, this is not what I wanted to see. Um, hindsight, obviously, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has an injury. Um, Kovacic has been sick uh, the last 48 hours. Uh, Pedro's hurt, obviously. Hudson-Odoi, oh, and we're going to get to um, Callum Hudson-Odoi after the post-match review and what's going on with uh, the Christian Pulisic, and I'll share my thoughts on that. So, Callum Hudson-Odoi is injured, so it makes sense why Sari would be forced to put out this lineup, but I, I wasn't, I, at that moment in time, I, my mind wasn't together to put make sense of it all. So, I had thought I was going to wake up uh, by 7 my alarm went off at seven and I was like, fuck you. I am not waking up. So I got up out of bed like 930. And what I did was I turned my phone completely off so I wouldn't get any updates. What I wouldn't get anything online about the match because by the time I got up, the match was over. So I just finished watching the match. What? Half an hour ago, 45 minutes ago. And here are my thoughts. So, first, the first half, I felt like, you know what? Like, with this game, I felt like this was just a traditional game where one team is significantly better than, other, than the other. And Crystal Palace being the team that was inferior to Chelsea, that they couldn't afford to make a mistake. And the one mistake that they made, it cost them a goal. It cost them a goal with N'Golo Conte. And I think the, the first half, they were playing in, uh, forgive me, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if they were playing in a mid block or low block. I don't want to come here with my smarty pants hat and tell you exactly how they were playing. They were playing on a mid block. And no, what it looked like they were playing was Zaha up top and five midfielders, four defenders. My math is correct. Five, five. Yeah. And goalie 11. So it was super congested for us to try to break them down. We could in the first half, we couldn't break them down. Yes, we were playing great, recycling the ball, moving the ball, trying, trying. Hazard and Giroud were trying to link up with flicks to try to break them down, but we just couldn't get it through. So, but I was happy in the first half when I saw the boys that 
for the most part, there was this few minutes here or there, like around the 30th minute, the 30, between the 30th and 40 something minute. I felt like there were spells there where we had turned off for a minute that we had gotten off the gas, but I was encouraged by the a majority of that half that we were on top of our game. We were pressing. Um, but going into halftime and coming out of halftime, I was concerned. Going back to the Wolves game, and I said this when I was talking to, to Josh during the Wolves game, I feel like with Sari and this team, maybe not so much Sari, but more so the team, we have a tendency to coming out in the second half flat. Flat, 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 flat. Where the guys don't seem to have gotten back into the game. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that is. Um, but I was worried about that. In the Wolves game, it happened for the first 10, 10 plus minutes. We were flat in that half. I think it was like almost 15 minutes. We were completely flat where I thought our legs were heavy and we had just gotten just have not gotten into the match. So I was concerned and I was interested to see if that was happening again in the Crystal Palace game because leading into this game, I am terrified. Well, not terrified, but Wilfred Zaha scares the shit out of me. And I still have images in his head, uh, in my head, of what we what happened to us at Stanford Bridge last year, and this guy consistently terrorized the Premier League. So I was, I'm, I'm worried. I'm always worried when this guy's on the pitch, and I wish somehow, some way, like if we end up selling Eden Hazard, which I, I, I don't, I, I'll get to it after the match, but. If we do end up, Eden Hazard ends up leaving this team, Wilfred Zaha is definitely some, what the fuck just happened? Hold on, boys and girls. What the hell? My, I don't know if you guys can hear this, but my computer just went to shit. Did it record? God Damn it, Microsoft Surface, you are an animal. So, Wolford Zaha is definitely somebody that I would hope that I would love for us to bring in um, if Eden Hazard moves on. And uh, from Chelsea, I, I don't, there is no, make no mistake, there is no replacement for Eden Hazard. But Wolford Zaha, that dude's a beast. He's such an animal. He's a beast. He's so dangerous. So, I was concerned how we were going to come out in the second half. And to my surprise, shit, we came out with the same energy, with the same energy. And what was in the 55th minute, 56th minute, uh, David Luiz finds N'Golo Conte uh, cutting into the box. He made a late run and David Luiz saw him from a mile away, puts in a perfect pass. Let me tell you something. David Luiz has been on fire on fire these last couple of games his passing his aggression his involvement of the game has been he's been on fire these last couple of weeks i can't tell you when it started but for me these last couple of weeks he's been on fire on fire absolutely and he finds him with a perfect pass and and and, and let's just take a moment here like 
And Golo Conte with that goal. This whole game and our last game, but this whole game, I was so happy with his movement. And and and, and it just pisses me off with these announcers. Like the after the man scores the goal, they're talking about, oh well. Uh, we don't know if Angolo Conte this is his posi- best position. Like, I, I, it just, it just, we can have the argument if this is or if this isn't Angolo Conte's best position to be on the field. However, let's break it down. If you drop a paper, you say, "Listen, one of the things that I want to try to achieve with my team is to win the ball back on the opposition's half." Not on my half, in the opposition's half. Who can we find right now available in the world? Who's the best at winning the ball back? Who's the best midfielder at winning the ball back? And Golo Conte must be on that list. Top five, top three, number one, in my opinion, on winning midfielder winning the ball back. So logic tells me, the fuck? If you put this guy further up the field to win the ball back, that's the guy you want. And that's exactly what Sarri's having him do. How many times in this game and in the last game did we see him win the ball back in the opposition's first half? Challenging for the ball at the mid at the midline. Doing exactly what Sarri intends him to do. Yes, could you do would you want somebody better uh, offensively? Yeah, of course. That goes with every position. You could always say, this guy's good. I think this guy could be better. In everything, in everything in life, in everything and everybody, in anything and everybody does. This guy's good. I think this guy would be better. Messi's good, but uh, Ronaldo's better. Ronaldo's good. Messi's better. Michael Jordan's good. LeBron's better. LeBron's good. Jordan's better. You can do that. We can play that game with anything and everything. But the fact of the matter is, and Golo Conte is doing exactly what Sari wants him to do. And I'm tired, tired, tired of having this conversation. It's simple. And Golo Conte is there to win the ball as high up the pitch as possible. Who's better than Angolo Conte at winning 50-50s, at recovering the ball, at, at doing what he does best? Who's better than him? Nobody. So it doesn't matter if you put him all the way back or you put him all the way forward. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing exactly like during the match. They said, oh, we should switch to a four, two, three, one. So N'Golo Conte could be uh, uh, protecting the defensive line and winning the ball back there. I'm like, why? Sorry, wants the ball one in the, uh, in the opposition's half, not in our half. Don't think that if he wanted the ball won at our half, that he would put N'Golo Conte back there? You think this guy's a fucking moron? No. Stop with this shit, man. N'Golo Conte is doing what he needs to be doing, and that is winning the ball in the opposition's half. So, it's just, oh my God, it's so frustrating. Um, and staying with the midfield, I don't know if you guys had to do it, but Ross Barkley had an okay game, but I did find myself so many times throughout this game going, he's our third choice midfielder. Relax. He's our third choice midfielder. Relax. Yes, Ross Barkley leaves a ton to be desired, but he's the third choice midfielder. I think that's clear now. I think if Ruben's healthy, Ruben's there. If Ruben's starting. 
If Kovacic was feeling better, if he wasn't sick, Kovacic starts. But Ross Barkley is the third choice midfielder. Um, Eden Hazard. I have nothing bad to say about Eden Hazard this game. I really don't. I really, I really don't. I think uh, I would love to hear. Yeah, right now, I don't have the video of um, of Chris, of Crystal Palace's poach match. If they were expecting Eden Hazard to start a striker or what, but I'm I'm interested to see if if that caught him off guard. But man, it doesn't matter where this guy plays: striker, winger. Yeah, I, Defense. He and Hazard could be playing fucking goalie. This guy is a baller. I, I he's just a pleasure, a joy to watch with the ball. Just his game, just makes. He just he's just so good. He's just so good. The way he gets the ball, he 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 moves, he glides, he rides people's hips. Like like I see all of that. And he's just so good. If he leaves us, it's going to break my heart, man. It's going to break my heart because you cannot replace that guy. You, there is nobody in the world that can do what he does. Nobody. I don't care. You know, this game, he didn't have an assist. He didn't have a goal. I mean, if you look at it, what did he do? He picked up the ball, moved the ball around, got other people involved, you know, but he's so good. He's just so much better than everybody else. He's so much better than everybody else. Uh, who else? You had Giroud playing in this game. Giroud did the best that he could. Um, he had, I mean, he had two beautiful offside goals. But he, he's just Giroud showed why we need a striker. Why we need a striker. Marcus Alonso, Marcus Alonso proved to me today again, once again, he didn't have a bad game, but when Emerson comes on, I'm like, there it is. There it is. There is a guy that we would, I would love to have playing behind Eden Hazard. I mean, Mark uh, Emerson comes in uh, towards the end of the game and they, he comes in for William. He comes in for a winger and yeah, like, yeah, of course you want a winger playing a winger, but, but the guy, sorry, is confident on putting that guy so far up the pitch to pick up the ball to, 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 to fulfill the role of a winger. And he plays left back. There was a play during the game where Marcus Alonso tried to do a step over, try to take on uh, uh, the defender, and he falls flat on his ass, gets the ball stolen from him. He didn't fall on the floor, but he got the ball stolen from him. He's like, bro, you're not a winger. You're not a winger. You're not an offensive player. You're not. We have one. He's right there. I just wish Sorry would fucking play Emerson. I don't know. I don't know. And overall, it was a good game, man. It was a good match. It was a good match. Uh, we did everything that we needed to do. There was a moment in time where towards the end of the game, I was like, come on, boys. Like It got a little tense. Like in the 80, in the 80th minute, those last 13 minutes of the game got a little tense for me. I felt like the guys could have. I don't know why the, these these guys don't do it. There must be like like sometimes I feel like we rely too much on retaining possession of the ball. 
Like when the ball's around the goalie, they they're pressing us. Fucking boot that shit upfield. Boot it upfield. Kick it far. That way, you know, we can reorganize on defense and, 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 and focus. And, you know, I understand it's giving away possession, but get that ball away from goal. Shit happens. Last last year, there was a game that ended in a draw. William picked up, I don't remember what it was. Uh, it was on the second half of the season. It was a night game. It was a game that we were winning. We were winning 2-1. William gets the ball right on the byline by the goal. Tries to play it, you know, tries to do a little trick. Ball is stolen from him. I don't remember if it was a goal, or it was a corner kick, or it was stolen from him. But point being, a goal was scored. If you just get that fucking ball and send it as far as you can upfield, yes, 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 the opposition is going to get the ball. They're going to start another wave of attack. You lose possession of the ball, but you get it away from goal. You give yourself some breathing room, chance to reorganize, to, hey, pick up that man over there, get into shape. So you get the ball away from goal. Give yourself some time. It must be something. I can't be just a dude in my living room sitting on my couch saying these things that seem so obvious, so logical to me. And, 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 and these professionals who spend hours upon hours upon hours from the players to the trainers to the managers. There, there must be something that I'm missing there. There must be a reason why these guys do what they do. That I'm not, that I don't know about. But fuck, man. Like, this game, there was a few times, there was a few balls. I'm like, yo, send it far. <laughs> Kick the ball far. Uh, so, we end up winning the match uh, 1-0. We are in fourth place. Chelsea's in fourth place. I think it was like 40-something points. All Arsenal. Let's take a second. Arsenal got their ass Hand it to them yesterday. 5-1. Holy shit. Liverpool beat that ass. God damn. God damn. So that was helpful. Create some distance between fifth and fourth. But let me tell you something. I was talking to, uh, you know, I'm talking to a friend. Of, he's not even a friend. He's my cousin's husband. Pretty much my brother-in-law. Like, my brother. Fuck it. He's a Manchester United supporter. And our, during our conversation, we were talking about the, the news that broke yesterday that has Chelsea Twitter, Chelsea YouTube on fire. Um, the Christian Pulisic and the Callum Hudson-Odoi um, transfer information, or transfer news or whatever. And I'll get to it in a second, but I know this sounds crazy. I know this. the odds are a hundred percent um almost a hundred percent of this not happening but manchester united has been playing a thousand times better since jose Mourinho was sacked they're still in the champions league anything can happen yes they're far down the table but you know they're in sixth or seventh whatever the case may be but all i'm saying is that Come the end of the season, I want us to finish Champions of Europa League to make sure. Remember, the goal is to get into Champions League next season. I do not want Manchester United to somehow, some way to sneak into the finals of the Champions League. And now we have an oh shit situation on our hands because they are playing excellent. 
they are playing excellent. They just won again today, I think. They were winning 3-1 against Bournemouth. Um, let me let me make sure. The game should be over by now. Uh, tomorrow, today. They ended up 4-1 against Bournemouth. They are on fire. Yes, they have their deficiencies. Yes, they are not an ideal candidate for the champions of Europe. However, until they are out of that competition, I do not want us in fourth, and I do not want Chelsea not taking the Europa League serious because we cannot fail in being in the Champions League next year. We cannot. So we need to finish in third, and we need to win the Europa League. I know if we finish in third and Manchester United squeeze in or whatever, they get the fourth spot. I know, I know, I know. But I just don't want any misunderstanding. I want us to hedge all our bets to make sure that next year there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We need to be into the Champions League. So just saying, it's not crazy. Remember, guys, don't forget what the situation and the, the, the climate and how we, Chelsea Football Club, won um, the Champions League in 2012. We were the same thing. We were doing shit in the league. Hell, I think we ended that season in six. Manager fired. Right around this time, I think it was January, if I'm not mistaken, January, February, we were manager fired, new manager takes over. We're still in the Champions League, we're still, you know, getting after it in the Champions League, we're still having, don't forget, I'm telling you, something about this 2018-2019, all bets are off. It started off in the summer with, out of nowhere, Ronaldo's going to Juventus. Nobody saw that coming. You know, I had started getting my suspicions when Manchester City, before the season was done, all right, rightfully so, you know, going into the season after Manchester City's last last, last, you know, last season when they won the title, rightfully so that the title, people had them as the favorites for the title. But, you know, I've been a firm believer that for some reason, this season, I don't, you know, things are going to happen that nobody expected. And it wouldn't shock me the way this season is going. Wait, who, who saw Manchester City losing two games back to back? Beginning of the December, they were, that's it. They were champions. Might as well give them the trophy. You know, then they get beat by us. Then they get beat by, by uh, Crystal Palace. They got beat by Leicester. So, you know, don't get it twisted. This season, all bets are off. You know, we're all Manchester United is a laughing stock now until they're in the finals of the Champions League, where anything can happen. Anything can happen. So I'm just saying, I don't trust this season at all. Finish top three, win the Europa League, get to the Champions League next year. So yesterday. Yesterday being the 29th. Well, there's been this season going on reports that Christian Pulisic is on his way out from Dortmund. And from the beginning, the reports were Liverpool and us are amongst the choices. There may be other teams in there, but 
the the two teams that I that I saw um, consistently brought up in the reports were Liverpool, for obvious reasons, Klopp, the connection with Dortmund, you know, their standing and their style of play in the Premier League, and us. I always looked at the Christian Pulisic situation as two things: one, a business decision. It makes sense as an American. This guy playing for your team in hopes that he rises, he's a rising star, the hope of a nation, that you capture some of the American uh, support for your club. That makes sense. Everybody understands that. Um, But also, too, that he could play right winger for us. Now, in my mind, in my mind, take Christian Pulisic out of here, out of the equation. It has always been for me. Eden Hazard stays, Eden Hazard goes, but you already have teed up Callum Hudson-Odoi as the heir apparent to that left wing spot. And it would also be amazing to pair Callum Hudson-Odoi up with a young right winger so that the both of them can play you know alongside each other for many and many years to come. And I think that's a beautiful, you know, that's a beautiful plan. If Chelsea football, if if we go into the offices and that's what, you know, they're planning for, that's the step in the right direction that I want that I want the club to take. Now it would be up to, again, it's up to the players to fulfill that plan that to fulfill their destinies and and, and and to play up to their potentials. That's on them. But it's up to the club to put these players in place for that to happen. So that was my line of thinking. Well, Callum Hudson-Odoi plays left wing. Who plays in front of him? Eden Hazard. So he's not going to get game time over Eden Hazard. Okay, fine. Eden Hazard is not moving to striker. So... There's an opportunity for Callum Hudson-Odoi to play as the backup left winger over, you know, behind William. And some might argue, a majority will argue that he's as good, as talented, or at the very minimum should be getting a, a serious consideration for that backup spot. And he hasn't been. Even though he did play against Wolves last week, which he did fine. He was playing out of position. He... He was playing a little bit more defensive than he normally would have, but he was he did fine. He did what he had to do. He did what he had to do, and I believe that he would have been on the bench uh, against Crystal, Crystal Palace if he didn't uh, receive a hamstring injury. Whatever. But reports started coming out that since Callum Hudson Odoi is he has two years left on his contract, reports started coming out that him and his people, uh, his agents or whatever, don't believe in Chelsea's plan. Moving forward, based off of the track record, track record Chelsea, you know, the board has had with youngsters on, on on our team, and how they've handled their careers. So reports came out yesterday that we are bringing the idea, my idea that I think that the board has, or I think would be the 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 ideal situation. We're bringing in Christian Pulisic. To play the right wing spot, and we can have a debate on whether or not he's good enough. But but that's that's not that's not I'm not arguing that right now for this for to breaking down the story for you. But 
the idea is bringing Christian Pulisic to play the right wing spot either in January. Well, the reports came out that the feed has been agreed with 45 million pounds um, for him to come in in the summer, which it, we all know from Chelsea's history, that number 45, between 35 and 45, it's a done deal for Chelsea. That's the number that Marina likes. 35, 45, it's a wrap. You, that player's coming to Chelsea. So, but on the the other part of the story is that Bayern Munich wants Callum Hudson-Odoi for, they, they made an offer for 15 that was turned down and then another offer for 20. That who knows what's happening with that and that Callum Hudson-Odoi and his representatives are pushing for that. Now, I, I don't want that to happen. I, I don't, I don't, that situation I don't want to happen because right now I, I was doing the math. We have Moses, his future is in doubt. Pedro, his future is in doubt because of his age. William's future is in doubt because of his age. Um, Hazard's future in doubt. That's all our wingers. And now Cullum Hudson, five wingers on our team. Future is in doubt. Okay, Christian Pulisic or whoever is going to take the place of one of those guys, of either Pedro, William, or Moses, or Callum Hudson-Odoi, or whoever, you know, one of the five. But, man, I, I just, I really hope that the idea is, listen, we sign you to a long-term deal, and then we send you out on loan. He's only 18. We send you out on loan for two years, three years, two years. I don't know how long the longest thing is, but two years seems to be the longest. We send you out for two years. Then when you're ready, when you're getting full time, full playing time in the Bundesliga, you come back to Premier League, you know, a la what's happening with uh, Sancho for British and Dortmund, um, who ironically has taken, is playing right wing over Christian Pulisic. So that's concerning. I just really, really hope um, we get this situation sorted and, that it works out for the best for Chelsea football because Callum Hudson Odoi, you know, potential is potential, but you know, only the player has the ability to fulfill whatever potential. But the fact of the matter is, Callum Hudson Odoi has a top five uh, potential um, right now. He, he, at 18 years old, he's one of the hottest prospects on the planet. Is why a team like Do uh, like uh, Bayern Munich is so interested in him and other teams as well. Um, I really, really hope that this doesn't end up biting us in the ass and blowing up in our face. Um, it'd be one thing if, if I'm not mistaken, Mbappe was sold for like $180 million. It'd be one thing if we got that type of money for Callum Hudson Odoi, 100 or whatever. But to let him go for damn near nothing, um, with no buy buyback clause, with you know not a loan, just to let him go. Period. With that much talent, it seems like something that can bite us in the ass that we may look to regret. Chelsea Football Club, the board, may look to regret. It would be one one of the ones that got away, and I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope that we find a way. To get it happen because there's a ton of turmoil in indecision in this team. Look, let's look at the players that are up, uh, that are up for you know with their futures that are undecided. It's like 14 of them. You have 
our front three, Mishi, Giroud, Morata. That's three guys right there. Excuse me. <coughs> Mishi, Giroud, Morata. Three. Hazard, Kalam hudson Moses, Pedro, William. That's five. Eight in total. You have uh, Kovacic, who's on loan. You have Fabregas, whose contract is up. I think in January 1st, his contract's up. You have Danny Drinkwater, who, yeah, whatever. He doesn't play, but whatever, whatever. But his future's in doubt. That's three from the midfield. You have David Luiz, whose contract's up in the summer. That's another one. You have Bakayoko from the midfield. That's another one. It's half our team. That's, I, I counted 14 players out of a squad that currently has uh, 28, but obviously Bakayoko doesn't count and Mishi doesn't count of our current squad. But out of the 28, you add those two, that's 30. 14 of 30 guys has their future. In, did I mention Gary Cahill? Gary Cahill's another one. So that's a, Point being, that's a lot of fucking guys. So, and then we have a transfer ban coming, you know, a decision on a transfer ban. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot that's coming up with Chelsea Football Club that we need answers to, that we will get answers to. You know, January 1st starts the transfer window. That's going to give us a peek on what the club is thinking. Whether we bring in anybody or not, at least I'm interested to see the names that are around the club during that time. I'm very interested to see who are we, you know, linked to, who are we targeted to, whether or not those transfers happen or they're realistic. But it gives us an idea of what others are thinking or what even the club is thinking. So during that time, during January, I got a ton of podcasts lined up. I already got Joe Tweedy. He's already teed up for January. We're just, you know, waiting on a date. Um, that's going to happen. Nini's going to happen. Um, I spoke to Alex McGovern. Alex McGovern is going to happen. Um, there's a ton of podcasts lined up. I'll get Simon Phillips back on if he's available. I haven't spoken to him, but we're going to get answers. We're going to get answers. Um, and I want to bring you guys, I will bring you guys people who have those answers, um, that are not necessarily, you know, in addition to whatever the club says by the players or whatever, but you know, January, this you know, these next six months of 2019, starting the first, are going to be everything for this club. It will set the tone for the next few years. You know, Eden Hazard, transfer ban, Callum Hudson Adoy, uh, our striker position, our winger position. This team isn't, is, is, there's a lot going on with this team. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see and I'll be here and, you know, the podcast will be here uh, to, and we'll work through it together. We'll work through it together. Listen, uh, I'm Chelsea football till I die, whether we're, you know, champions of Europe, champions of England, um, champions of, you know, the second division, third, fourth, fifth, last place, relegated uh, all the way down to Sunday leagues. I will always, always, always be Chelsea till I die, till I die. So 
guys have a happy new year have a safe new year um 2019 uh, 2018 was you know set the foundation to to i i believe this it set the foundation it laid the grounds for now for me to live my best life and it's because of you guys and it's because of this podcast i 100% believe that and i cannot wait till that ball strikes one and it's 2019 because we together are gonna get after it we're gonna dominate in 2019 i believe that in my heart this club you know whatever is gonna happen you know us the supporters will back the club and be there for the club but us this family of this podcast whatever happens to chelsea football club will be there and supporting but whatever happens with this podcast i only believe i believe it's only domination i believe that you watch 2019 you watch we're gonna dominate we're gonna dominate so that's all i got i'm gonna come back uh again you know next time you hear me it's gonna be transfer season and we'll be in the thick of it so i'll uh i'll have somebody on for us to start making sense of what the hell is going on and uh that's it guys have an awesome new year's be safe be with your family be with your friends be with your loved ones be you know just be safe a lot of crazy shit always happens on new year's so i just want to make sure that you guys are hearing the sound of my voice come 2019 all right i love you guys enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of 2018 then that's it it's over 2019 will be here and we're gonna fucking kill it we're gonna fucking kill it i love you guys have a great rest of your day i'll talk to you again soon big kiss because i keep it on me it's crazy how i got a big dick without a dick it's young and me don't ever let that name come out your lips i'm the big goon i send my goonies to your crib and you can die inside your living room if getting money mean you done well fuck it then i've been the fool and i ain't just going get the food i built the kitchen too i'd rather be inside some pussy then do this interview, little gay nigga Hoes been on me since like middle school Break up with a bitch, by next week I won't remember you Just because I put it in don't mean I'm into you In them foreign countries with a foreign chick Foreign whip, foreign food, foreign shoes Just a bunch of foreign shit Niggas wildin' out in Paris, coating you recording this Put 200,000 on my balance just for talking shit Fucking up a torn shit Ream handle the important shit It's funny how haters throwing shots but they ain't calling it That's a real nigga walking in Huh? This M.A. bitch You got something on your mind and say that shit We kingpins, this is not a playpen In other words, we don't play that shit It may about to drop, better play that shit Hoes love me, them niggas hate that shit They be like, ooh, I hate that bitch Ooh, but ain't they broken, ain't I rich? Uh, ooh, ooh, shake them off Niggas wasn't on their job She pops Zannies like it's candy. That's why she antsy, but she nasty. And I'm a thoroughbred nigga with an attitude. It's young and make, make sure that M A is capital. Being broke is a joke, that's why I'm never in a laughing mood. Always got the trap clicking like some tapping shoes. It was
was either get rich or die. I had to choose. Get rich or die. Try and Curtis Jackson move. Bipolar, can't control her. Keep a tool with me. Strap across my shoulder. Cause my line is like a bag of screws. Huh? It's MA, bitch. Something on your mind and say that shit We kingpins, this is not a playpen In other words, we don't play that shit It may about the drop, better play that shit Hoes love me, man, them niggas hate that shit They be like, ooh, I hate that bitch Ooh, but ain't they broken, ain't I rich? Flex, ooh, Hercules In this motherfucking booth, leaving third degrees Cooking crack up in that stew, I gotta serve the fees Hop in that Maybach, tell the driver, oh Make sure it's privilege, please I'm counting up, she said how much I said infinity If I don't come for you, hey, do not send for me Cause I will pop this brand new Glock, take her virginity uh, Big pivot, spinaches But I look like tricking on the bitch, that ain't this shit for me Can't be in my vicinity without abilities All you haters hold my nuts and suck my dignity